Hi, my name is Tony Bennett, and it is my privilege to direct and narrate this episode of the Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. Frankly, what started out as a goal to relate the stories of a few golfers has become much more. It is said that everybody has a story, and that is true. For several years, I've written about golf professionals revealing how they became good players, great coaches, and top club professionals. As enjoyable as this was, the words of my guests on Tough Love and Second Chances and also found in the Edgar Profiles have helped me on a journey of discovery and all the while providing a much needed look into the depth of the human spirit. The openness of my guests is what makes their stories powerful, frequently revealing examples of how hope, courage and the opportunity to express oneself through the power of golf makes for a combination that can improve and even save lives. A word of thanks to our writer, all-round good guy Ben Evans, to our producer, the talented Ricardo Paparella, and to my guest, Chad Pfeiffer. Chad Pfeiffer adjusted one word in his thinking from the phrase, how can I, to when can I? That single change made a whole lot of difference in his life and set him on a path to inspiring hundreds, if not thousands of others, to look at life just a little bit differently. As Chad grew up, he developed sharp hand-eye coordination and a rich competitive spirit. He was too busy playing his true passion of baseball as a lad to ever think about golf. The nearest he got to the game was retrieving his grandpa's practice balls in a field to earn some small change. Chad laughs when saying that he wasn't actually allowed to touch the old man's clubs. Chad didn't care. He grew up in the farming town of Coldwell, just outside of Boise, Idaho, where it seemed that the whole community, including his brother and three sisters, were turning up to the diamond to watch their baseball players. Chad was one of the very good ones, and aged 18, he was definitely college league material. Only a few years later, Chad stopped playing baseball. He would have to employ his physical and mental attributes to learn a new sport, and he quickly became a very competitive golfer indeed. In just three years from hitting his first concentrated golf shots, Chad was scoring 65 under pressure to win a national tournament as a scratch golfer. When you consider he made his rapid progress after losing his left leg, you start to realize just how driven and focused Chad can be. When Chad tells his story today, this quiet but very personable man doesn't waver when he recalls a time in his life when he literally had to climb a wall to get back from the brink. And while many good golfers will remember Chad's scarily competitive powers on the golf course only too well, his thoughtful views on the redemptive power of sport can act as a balm to anyone who listens. Back in the year 2001, Chad, who describes his younger self then as a stubborn, young and dumb kid, was planning to keep the baseball dream alive by signing up to a degree in sports medicine at Northwest Nazarene University in Idaho. Yeah, so I, I actually grew up in a, in a long military history family. Um, both my grandparents, uh, or excuse me, my grandfathers uh, served, um, aunts and uncles that served, cousins, um, you know, all served in, in some branch of the military, whether it was Army, Marines, Air Force. Um, and so with that long line of history, I, I actually didn't have a whole lot of thought into going to the military. And then September 11th 
um, 2001 happened. And, you know, as I, I think it affects people around the entire world, but as an American, um, it really affected me. And I wanted to do something to give back to the country. Chad's father, Chris, encouraged him to finish his studies and to keep up with the baseball. But the terrorist attack had left its mark, and by 2005, Chad was signing his army papers. After training in 2006, he was off to fight in Iraq, aged just 25. It was April 2007, and Chad was embedded in a unit of soldiers he trusted with his life, a close-knit band of brothers who were regularly conducting driven armed patrols in the territories. Many were routine, presence patrols, in relatively stable areas of population. Only one day, this pattern changed. And so that day in particular, we had, you know, everybody was nervous because it was a new area and we knew that information that it was kind of a hostile area. Four trucks, each carrying five soldiers, were deployed and on arrival encountered gunfire from adjacent buildings. Chad was on the top of his truck returning fire with his 50 caliber machine gun from the gun hatch to where he saw muzzle flashes, all to cover his colleagues being the dismounts from the truck as they sought out the enemy on foot. The danger and immense tension lasted 90 minutes before the unit was called away. Then a reconnaissance to seek out insurgents planting a possible IED on the road ahead took up more exhausting hours and at 1.30 in the morning, the unit was finally recalled as they had another mission later that day. Because of the night vision difficulties in the gear of the driver and Chad feeling the least fatigued, he jumped down to drive them back the five or six miles to the camp. Around half a mile later, the truck ran over an IED. I was knocked unconscious uh, for not very long. It was probably a minute or maybe even less, um, but I remember waking up um, kind of coming back to, and our um, the guys in the back of the truck were asking, I remember them asking if everybody was okay. And I just remember it was almost like the, the tingling sensation that my legs were asleep, and it was, a, it was both of them, because I had fractured my right heel when the IED went off as well. And, um, but it wasn't, I wasn't in pain, I wasn't in shock yet, it was just kind of the tingling sensation, and I, I remember saying I couldn't, couldn't really feel my feet. And um, so they got out, they came around to the driver's side door, opened it up, and kind of the same time our medic who's in the truck behind us came up to the door. And I remember hearing him say over the radio, his leg's gone. So then they, they pulled me out of the truck, um, got me on the, the, uh, the stretcher. And then I remember our medic, um, you know, sticking me with the IV, putting a tourniquet on my leg. Chad remembers hearing the helicopter and being carried towards it by his colleagues. Morphine and other drugs for the pain, as Chad was first taken to the Green Zone in Baghdad and then flown to Landstuhl in Germany, onto a military hospital in Washington, D.C., and before eventually reaching Brook Army Medical Center, where after the necessary surgical work on his leg was completed, he would start his rehabilitation. I remember the, the reaction I had then was just one of those reactions like, you know, one, what just happened, and then two, how am I going to live my life missing a leg? Because me being an athlete growing up, you know, I was very mobile, you know, ran around with cousins and, and family doing, you know, pickup basketball games and softball. And, and so I was very, 
nervous and anxious and just didn't really know how I was going to live life. Fortunately for Chad, he couldn't have been in better hands with the expertise available at the centre. From the very first minute I got there, you know, it was all positive support. It wasn't, you know, I didn't have anybody saying, oh, you're never going to walk again or anything like that. It was all positive. Um, and as soon as you kind of got there, you know, they, t they would take you down to guys that were further along in the process. And, and, you know, and I, I was able to see guys missing two legs or, you know, two legs and an arm or, you know, some similar to me that were just missing one leg. And it was very, very uplifting for me to see, you know, they had great facility there at Bamsey and they had a rock climbing wall. And I remember that was one of the first things I saw was a guy missing his leg and he was halfway up the rock wall. And I was like, holy cow, that's awesome. You know, this guy's, I mean, that's, he's very similar to what I'm going to have to go through. So, and then guys running around the track with prosthetics and, you know, seeing all the different but, but very you know workable prosthetics that guys were doing awesome things with so from the minute I got there it was it was no longer you know okay can I do this it was when can I do this and and how soon can I get fit with the prosthetic and so I was very encouraged and, and looking forward to the new challenge. Of course Chad being the intense competitor he is could not resist taking on the rock climbing wall himself as soon as possible. After a great deal of work on his upper body strength and then immense effort climbing the wall, he joined the other veterans at the top. It was a defining moment in his rehab, an early victory, and the toughest teak upper body strength he gained would only help him in his new passion. When I was going through my physical therapy and rehab down there, um, I was introduced to the game of golf by another wounded veteran that was missing both of his legs. And I was fairly new in the process of having lost my leg and I was actually still, I didn't have a leg yet, but he said, um, you know, once we, once you get the leg on, let's go out and do something. And that day came around and his suggestion was golf. And so at first I was hesitant. Um, you know, I, I didn't play hardly any golf actually up until that point and wasn't really a big fan of golf. And, Quite honestly, thought it was for uh, older, um, um, older people, and uh, and more so people that had, you know, money, and you know, all growing up, that just wasn't our family. That wasn't me. So, um, but anyways, that day came around, and uh, I reluctantly agreed, and and we went out, and actually, I hit a couple off the sweet spot, and absolutely fell in love with it. So. Um, yeah, just um, that's all I wanted to do from then on was I'd go to therapy in the morning and then in the afternoons I would just go to the golf course. Playing golf also really helped Chad get used to his new prosthetic. He was getting in and out of bunkers, up and down hills, swinging from different sloping lines. He has no doubt now that it was also a great mental therapy. That was huge for me because there was plenty of times where I was very depressed, um, you know, went through several negative days where everything like you know you get kind of back into that negative thinking and you're like okay what's going to happen you know tomorrow am I going to be around like there was there was definitely thoughts of suicide you know going through this whole process and just just having really rough days where you don't want to do anything and and so therapeutically and, and mentally that was just a fantastic escape 
because you could it just took your mind off of all that stuff and you know, you're just out there hitting balls. Well, less positive days for Chad in those early times, missing his army buddies and the camaraderie of the unit. He would sometimes hit the bottle. Try to drink away my sorrows and my anger and, you know, which, you know, you see, you see a lot of guys that do that, uh, especially veterans. Um, I don't know why, but, you know, alcohol and, and liquor just kind of, guys seem to attract to that, um, which is unfortunate. Most of the times it was golf for me, though, it just looking forward to the next day. It was like, okay, I'm going to go to therapy in the morning, and then afterwards I'm going to go, you know, maybe grab a bite to eat, but then go out to the course and just chip and putt or hit golf balls. Or That was always something for me to look forward to once I got involved with golf was, okay, when do I get out on the course next? Chad was largely self-taught in these early years. He naturally went with his baseball swing of the club from his youth, promoting a huge slice. As a right-hander, he didn't trust his prosthetic at first and would hit too much from the back foot. But he remained patient. He read instruction articles and watched the top golfers on TV, how they swung and shaped the ball. The hard work paid off. The baseball swing emerged into a control fade he could rely on while he learned to finesse other shots, including a nice draw. With his main rehab done, Chad was medically retired from the army. He moved back to Idaho and took a job at Falcon Crest Golf Club, washing the carts. The trade-off being that he'd have access to the practice facilities. The staff and owner, who had lost his own son in Iraq, were really supportive of Chad. But yeah, I, I absolutely loved working at the golf course, loved getting to know people, loved you know talking with the, with the golf professionals there at the course. He started seeing a girl called Summer, who he knew from his junior high school days. And before long, they were married and moved to Arizona. An added benefit being that he could enlist in the Golf Academy of America, learning all the technical aspects of the game. He arrived with a nine or 10 handicap, just 14 months later had this reduced to two or three, and a year later, he was off scratch. He began competing in the National Amputee Golf Association Championship he finished 12th overall in the first year, third place in the above need division, and loved the competitive feel of the event. Improving and getting closer each year, he would finally lift the trophy in 2011 at the Rio Verde Country Club, Arizona, thanks to underpower rounds of 71 and 65, which Chad would rate as a huge achievement. In the same year, he won the Bush Institute Warrior Open, a tournament for wounded veterans and were gone to win both events three times. With this competition came the camaraderie of playing with golfers who had also been through life-changing injuries. Now Chad was finding a new band of friends he could trust and support. We're all bonded with the fact that we're missing a limb, uh, but everybody's individual story is you know, completely different. Um, so that was really great for me to get to know these guys and hear their stories and you know watch really good golfers despite missing limbs. And so that was huge for me. This companionship perhaps started the shift in Chad's thinking. The serial winner gradually became the serial encourager of other golfers, a quality Chad is known for to this day. The next following couple years, I had quite a few amputee golfers come up to me and, and actually just people with amputations coming up to me and say, saying, hey, it's, this is 
really cool what you're doing and you've inspired me um you know to one pick up golf which was cool to hear <clears throat> but then two um you know work harder at golf and, and for them to work on their games it was it was very touching for me for for people to come up to me and say that because you know i'm just playing a sport like it was a it's an individual sport and i was just kind of doing it for my own personal reasons but then I saw the bigger impact it had you know what I was doing was was impacting other people's lives and I was like man that's that's really cool like it was touching for me to hear that and so from then on it was actually you know became a, a goal of mine or kind of a, a separate goal was to see if I could help inspire people and that's kind of it became more, that kind of became a bigger goal. After a couple of years, that became kind of a bigger goal to me rather than winning tournaments and, and personal success was to touch the lives of other people and, and help inspire you know, other wounded veterans or, or people that were maybe new amputees or you know, had a disability. Because that's, a, that's one of the great things about golf is it doesn't matter if you're injured, it doesn't matter if you're 100 years old, or two years old like it's a game that everybody can enjoy because of the handicap system you can all have a you know a, a good match with no matter who you play and so that was huge for me um, just trying to impact other people's lives and, and get more people into the game of golf. Chad speaks well about how competitive golf for players with a disability at the highest level is helping to grow awareness of what is possible for all golfers with an impairment even brand new players he mentions the European Tour's welcoming of Edgar players to take part in tournaments alongside world-famous names in events in Scotland and Dubai. Golf Australia has done the same, and Chad was talking to us after being introduced to the crowd at the President's Cup between the USA and the international team. The week before, he'd been competing in the AAAC Championship as part of the Australian Open. He believes similar opportunities will happen soon in the US and says that recently introduced world ranking for golfers with disability is a major driver to increase awareness. Chad, he's currently ranked number eight. And it gives me kind of a platform. I mean, it gives us all a platform, um, you know, to say, hey, check out these tournaments, you know, direct these, these guys and girls to different tournaments around the States or around the world, you know, that there's tournaments out there that people can be a part of. Whether they want the world ranking points or not, it's, you know, you meet great people um, and it's just huge for the game of golf and, and for disabled golf. I see nothing but great things in the future. For other people who may find themselves in a similar situation as he did after his military incident, Chad's advice is heartfelt and he's based around the redemptive power of sport. The possibilities of Personal endurance and, and overcoming uh, obstacles are endless. I mean, it's, it's, it's really quite funny and amazing what the human body can do and what the human mind is capable of. And, you know, for anybody that's, you know, maybe going through hardship or, you know, has traumatizing incident where they're left, you know, with a disability, that no matter what it is, whether it's golf, um, you know, it's been huge for me, and I know it has for many other people, whether it's, you know, fishing, hunting. It really doesn't matter if you find a passion in life. 
you know, pursue it. And, and I would highly recommend golf just because you can enjoy it, you know, until the day you die. Um, you know, like I said before, you can be two or you can be 102. You can always enjoy golf. So just push yourself to the limits, you know, set those goals, um, have dreams, and really just pursue them. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool what people can do, and, and especially when they set goals, it's amazing what you can accomplish. Great advice from a man who found himself injured and vulnerable, and looking up at a rock climbing wall in rehab, waiting for a prosthetic leg to arrive. Instead of saying how, he said when, and set himself the goal to climb it. Though his goals are different now, Chad is still climbing. My sincere thanks to our writer Ben Evans and producer Ricardo Paparella, who can be found at ricardopaparella.com. For more information about Edgar, please visit www.edgargolf.com and please stay tuned for the next episode of the Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. <laughs>